0: Everybody and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where a bunch of writers sit around, drink tasty beverages, and talk about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. There will be rants and raves and opinions that do not agree, but are lovingly and respectfully delivered. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG thirteen. Your hosts today are Chaz and Karen Brenchley and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode one forty-five, interview with Cheryl Hayes. Welcome, Cheryl. Hello. We're so glad to have you today. This is an indirectly, you are apparently good friends with one of our fellow Karens and my fellow writing group members. And she mentioned that you had a book published, a bunch of stories published, and a new book coming out.
1: Yes, I do. First of all, let me say thank you for having me. I am a local writer here in the Bay Area, and I have uh, several short stories published and first novel was published back in 2018, and I will have a, my second novel coming out June of 2022, but it should be up for pre-order at this time.
0: Well, it was. I verified it. I was actually going to stop and say a, a little bit more about your writing journey, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. You, these, your heroine is the same through the two books, uh, Jordan Abbey, correct? Tell us a little bit about Jordan and your books.
1: Well, Jordan starts out, basically, she's every day 20-something, trying to get through college and figuring out what she wants in life, and learns rather abruptly that all those legends and paranormal stories about vampires and werewolves that she's heard are real, and she learns it when a werewolf bites her, and a vampire comes to her rescue, (laughs) and So she's quickly thrown into a world where she has to learn what's real, what is made up, and basically lies to keep people from finding out that yes, creatures of the night do exist.
0: Okay, let's dial in really quick. There are a lot of different legends and a lot of different ways about how werewolf infection spreads. How does it spread in your universe? Is it just claw, bite?
1: Well, there's two different ways, and I go into the story explaining some of each. One of it is that the original, the progenitor of all werewolves, you can say carries a curse in her blood that passes on to her offspring, but it can also be spread spread through a bite. And the werewolves don't really care if you are one of the bitten or one of the born as they refer to them they just more care that you are part of a pack and jordan because of how she was originally bitten in her first literally the first 10 minutes of interacting decides no she doesn't want anything to do with this particular pack which leads into a whole mess of trouble for her
0: all right and now we're going to need you to tell us all about your vampires do they sparkle I mean, that's what we need to know.
2: <laughs> oh, please, don't no. let them smart No, please, no.
1: <laughs> no, they do not. They do not, burst into, they do not burst into flame immediately in sunlight, but they do not sparkle. I actually went back and did a lot of historical reading looking at where certain tropes that came in for vampires, such as uh, bursting in the flame, that was really something that came along with the movie Nosferatu, because they need to figure out how to kill the vampire. Kind of the same thing with silver with werewolves, not really a thing until they needed the end of the wolf man. Well, we've got to kill him somehow. Well, bless silver. That'll do the trick.
0: (laughs) I like it. So I, I presume you know the standard lop anybody's head off takes them out there. <laughs>
1: oh, there's a there's a specific line in there that says, Yeah, stake to heart'll kill us, but that'll kill anybody.
0: It would. Mm-hmm. So where are your stories set? Are they you're a Bay Area writer. Are they set out here? Are they set somewhere else?
1: They are set in a fictional area pocket I kind of designed of the Bay Area called Rancho Robles. Um feel feel of like Monte Sereno. Saratoga, Los Gatos, bits of Santa Clara. That way I could play with geography a little, but still keep it somewhat consistent to what I'm familiar with. So I wrote one area that was based off of a mall and in the area, and somebody kept all my betas that were local kept saying, Yeah, this really feels like Santana Row. Did you mean that? And I'm like, Yeah. I wrote that scene while I was literally sitting at the Santana Row area taking notes. (laughs)
0: oh cool Mm -hmm. that's wonderful what else do you when you find yourself writing what do you bring in of the world around you i mean clearly there's Santana road do you use are there current politics in this is it set in the current time or tell us about what's going on in the world of jordan
1: well the first book was set roughly 2018. their politics in terms of the shitstorm that's going on in the US, not so much at the moment. Her politics are right now really more focused on what she needs to do to get through to the next day. Most of the next book, which is named Chaos Hunt, was written prior to the pandemic, so it doesn't really touch on that. Going forward, I'm in that making decisions of what how much of real life do I want to bring in? Because this is obviously a fictional setting. I get to play with things to that extent, but I also want to not completely go ignore that these life-changing events have been happening for the last four years, and even more so going forward <laughs> with what's happening in Europe right now.
0: We'd would we been talking a little bit about this. I'd love to your, what are your, Karen and Chez, what are your thoughts on, do we want to read this two years from now, things that people point out in politics and the zeitgeist and the plague and the war?
3: Yeah, I don't know. As it happens, I'm reading a book at the moment which does deal with all of that, but it's real, the book is really about climate change. Epidemics sweeping around the world are, frankly, a lesser concern. There, there, there is infrastructure in place to address the fact that you throw up to about COVID-31 or something. But yeah, it's it's always a tricky one. Whether you anchor your story directly in the political surge of the moment or ignore it entirely or reach for some, you know, some awkward
0: middle ground. And I suppose a heroine, if your heroine is 20-something, I mean, at 20, something, as Billy Joel used to say, just surviving is a noble fight.
2: (laughs) Yeah, when I was 20, let's just say I was very, very, very clueless and did not. I was going to college. That's all I cared about at the moment was what was going on on campus and what was going on in my life. And
0: So how about Jordan? Is she going to tell us a little bit about how, I mean... This is a Lycans versus the vampires. Are they at odds? Are they in it together? Or is it just um, Hatfields and McCoys kind of thing? Tell us about the world.
1: Well, it's all kind of a little bit of everything you just mentioned. The werewolves and the vampires are at odds. In fact, part of the reason I started writing this particular series was I played a lot of World of Darkness. I read a lot of 90s and early (laughs) 2000s. Vampire and werewolf fiction, and it's always they hate each other, but there's never a reason why. And so I wanted to explore some of that. And so I was giving the backstory as to why they don't get along. And so Jordan finds herself in a very unusual position is that she is a werewolf who is hanging out with vampires, and the vampires don't completely trust her because she's a werewolf. She's probably the sleeper agent that's being sent in to take over or help destroy the local vampire population, whereas the werewolves look at her as she's this weirdo who hangs out with the undead. What's with that?
0: So with urban supernatural as kind of a of a setting and a genre, it, did you fall into it? I mean, is this the kind of books you've always loved reading or are you writing the book that you always wanted to read? Tell us a little bit about your choice in genre and what else you want to explore.
1: This is the book right now. These are the books that have spoken to me. I have a third book that I am currently working on that is uh, urban fantasy, but it's not related to these two books. It's going to be a completely separate universe and structure to it. And I'm playing with a few other things with it as well. I also love science fiction. I am happy watching Star Trek. I hate to admit it, I am way behind on all the things that have been released lately because of life. (laughs) And I do want to write something science fiction. I just haven't had the plot or the structure or the idea fully bloom to that point of where it's ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go in that direction. I have also people have told me hey you should really try your hand at romance and I'm going "Mm." (laughs) nothing against romance let me be very clear nothing against romance it's just not my jam
2: (laughs) Well, that's okay Okay. nothing says you have to one of the things that again I miss in in COVID is things like going
3: to oh NASA Ames yeah or, or SETI
2: The SETI, we used to go to SETI meetings and then they moved it onto the Microsoft campus. So all of that has been shut down. And so you can't just wander by and get, you know, a blast of the current science as it regards space, you know, things like that, that were kind of more open and you could in Silicon Valley, you, you can find these kinds of things and they haven't been having them or they've been having them on Zoom, which is
0: harder to find out about, or at least for me. I hear you. But Cheryl, I got to know, did the novel come first or did short stories come first? Are you the, we had a classic established of I wrote poetry and then I wrote short stories and then I wrote novels? Or what was your approach? How did you get here?
1: The novel was what I first started. The two short stories were what sold first. However, I had them completed and I was going to try to do the traditional you. Sell short stories, and then you get your—you know—you get noticed for doing the short stories. Well, I had two short story sales, and then the novel was ready. I'm going—I don't want to wait on this for another three years while I'm trying to get an agent, trying to get it published.
3: No, should you that
1: way? So, so I thought, okay, right now, and I did—I did my market research. It's like, okay, right now, they're not looking in traditional markets for urban fantasy. But there's still a market out there amongst self-publication, so... And I had friends who were doing it and were saying, this is how it's done. And I said, okay, let's go for it.
3: Cool. Were the short stories related to the world of the novels?
1: No, they were not. Okay. One is a straight fantasy story called The Twisted Princess. It's about a princess who was abducted by a dragon only she ends up having to help the dragon and the other one is a it's more urban fantasy it's called it's the reading the leaves and it's about T reader a tassiographist who ends up reading the leaves of a werewolf and ends up in a life or death situation depending on how her reading goes
3: Awesome. Tassiographist is a is a new word for that, it. So thanks for yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that's that's the official term, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, of a um, tea read a tea leaf reader.
2: No one will be able to know if you were pronouncing it wrong. Don't worry, because <laughs> nobody's
3: ever heard <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes.
2: It's a new one. It's a great one. Mm-hmm.
0: So I you are the first person that's ever said your your novel came and then short stories came. How do you find it different? What do you I mean? I guess, asking in the novels, I mean, did you, do you set aside time? Do word counts? Did it just flow? And how is, how is writing the novel different than when you were writing a short story?
1: Well, I've learned that I either write very long or very short. I will do a 70,000 to 90,000 word story, or I'll do like a 4,000 word story. There's not much in between. So, I'm not one of those people who can write novellas or novelettes of you know, up to 50,000 words. The difference I'm finding between, they both flow about the same, just in terms of getting words down. The difference I'm finding is that I get a lot more room to play descriptions in the novels because by their length, there's, I can go on for a paragraph about how the rain is falling and reflecting in a puddle on the street and can just dive into it a little more than a I've got a 4,000 word limit, the rain fell (laughs) (laughs) because I need to spend I need to spend a little more of that time on the actual plot or I need to get make sure that the emotional beats in the short stories are hitting harder and I have a lot fewer words to do that in than I do in a novel
3: (laughs) Do you feel that your style changes to suit the length of your work?
1: Somewhat This is, like I said, this will be the second full-length novel I've done. I've done plenty of other writing that will not be published. It's, you know, the trunk novels. What actually got me into writing way back in the early 90s, I wrote fanfic for about 20 years before I even tried writing, quote, professionally.
0: Okay, we got to know what fanfic. (laughs) I love fanfic.
1: X-Files. Tasty. 92. Tasty. Yes. Yes, it is still out there. I it is under a third pseudonym, so uh-huh. it's still out there. I as far as I'm aware. I'm I
0: need links because at the very least I need to read it. So you'll yeah. see me. <laughs> sure.
1: I will I will send it to you guys. I have to actually go back and look it up and double check <laughs> where it is now because I believe the archive it was hosted in was absorbed by another, which was absorbed by another. So I have to actually go out and hunt it down.
0: Mm. No, and and really kind of X-Files, it's kind of a hint between science fantasy, really, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's really where I started heading in the paranormal urban fantasy direction, just sitting there and watching Mulder and Scully fight the uh, Monster of the Week. I will not, however, talk about this last season or specifically the last episode,
0: that episode does not exist. That's fair. That's fair.
2: Yeah, you're, you're not the
0: first person I've heard say that. I have not seen the last episode. And Sometimes the negative can be just as inspirational as the positive. I mean, we were talking amongst ourselves the other day on, please, people should not underestimate the amazing drive that Spike can give you. Was it things like the last episode or reading a book of saying that like, Dear God, this was a bestseller. I could do that. (laughs) What got you going?
1: It actually goes back to misogyny, basically. In a lot of the fanfic I was reading, a lot of the stuff, it's like the instant somebody brought in the girlfriend from, this is back in the fanfic days, brought in Mulder's ex-girlfriend, Scully automatically hated her. And I'm going, mmm. Nah. Let's see what happens if I wrote a story where they were actually. She's an ex. She's not a threat. They're friends. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and it just kind of took off from there. Why not? Yeah. And then uh, what happened from there is somebody said, "Hey, back in the back in the '90s," said, "Hey, you're actually kind of good at this. Maybe you should consider writing professionally." And I went, <laughs> "No," <laughs> at that point little did I know.
0: <laughs> no, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so is are you finding that it gets easier to write in volume or now that when you get better, I mean, the more you write, the better you get, is it harder now that you are more critical of yourself?
1: I plan a lot of second guessing myself and That's where good editors come in and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're doing good here. No, yeah, you're right. That's off. No, what are you talking about? That's good. Keep it. Don't change it. When you get into the marketing mindset, you're always thinking, well, I have to make sure that I'm using good grammar. I'm putting out a quality product that this makes sense in terms of plot that people, when you're writing fanfic, you've got a basically a history and a touchstone that everybody is familiar with from watching the show. You don't have that. Once you start writing your own original fiction, you have to put all that in. And so it, it's not that it becomes more difficult. It's that the focus changes and you have to start considering things that you didn't necessarily have to when you're telling a story about characters who are already established.
0: I could see that. I fell a whole evening into the uh, from the series Hannibal, the Hannibal Will slash fic together, which was I'm just going to say very tasty.
3: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yes. Um. So so Cheryl, taking the self-publishing route, how do you go about finding yourself an editor?
1: Mostly, I haunt Facebook groups and look at various editors who are in various groups. I also will usually when you buy other self-published books. They will have a section. There's usually a author who likes to thank, and they will mention people, and then you go look for them, and, and it will say, this is my editor. This, is my, this was my proofreader. This person helped me out with this material. And so as you get a feel for what works for you, you can go and talk to, reach out to those editors directly and say, hey, are you available? What's your charges?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you do a sample edit for me to see if they work for you or you can talk to other authors that you enjoy their work find out who their editors are reach out to them you know it's very much uh you can talk to people
3: and you do your own legwork yep it's it's all networking basically in a slightly different fashion when it comes to selling the book do you work with a publicist do you do any marketing yourself do you pay for adverts what do you do Uh, Most
1: of it right now I am handling on my own. I will admit I had a series of family disasters that happened just as this book, as Chaos Wolf was published back in 2018, that I had to focus on my family. That's part of why Chaos Hunt is so long. It, It was supposed to be done two years afterwards, after Chaos Wolf's publication. It's now four years because of various family issues. So the traditional traditional in terms of what India marketers say, not traditional publishing. They say, wait until you have that third book before you really start hitting your advertisements hard because you won't see that much of a return. So because my third book's going to take a while longer, I'm playing around with trying to do word of mouth advertising. I won't really start looking into Amazon or Facebook probably until I have this next book out and I can start working on the third book.
2: You know, Amazon doesn't actually check if you've read the book (laughs) before you put a, put a, um, a five-star review on Amazon. You know, I, I think they do kind of check to see if you bought it from them, but they don't know who you've actually bought it from. So, you know, reaching out to, you know, 50 of your friends and getting them to say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll give it a five-star review. That is a good marketing tactic, too.
1: Actually, I have heard do not do that because for a while there, Amazon was also looking at any of your public feeds, such as Facebook, such as Amazon, um, uh, Twitter. Now, again, this was all rumored and kind of guesswork done. And if they saw that you were had a connection and you were, quote, friends with that person, they would downvote or remove the review because it was obviously biased.
2: Amazon will kick off my review for Chaz um, because they, you know, we, they know we have the same address. We have the same last name, but I've never we have had the same
3: Amazon prime account,
2: <laughs> oh, by the way. Yes. We have the same Amazon prime account, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I've, I've been allowed to um, I haven't been kicked off for other friends, just my husband. So,
1: okay. Well, That's they may algorithm. have changed that, or the, as I like to put it, the, the uh, algorithms work in mysterious ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is why I never do Facebook under my own name. <laughs> That's smart. I just don't like the connection of all things. Bugs me.
2: Well, you have yeah. such a unique name. And I actually have a fairly unique name now, and Chaz certainly has a unique name. Back when I was Karen Williams, it was not such a big deal.
0: Mm -hmm. So are you working on other short stories? I mean, you're clearly, you said you were working on the third novel. Where are you going next?
1: Well, I'm working on another, once Chaos Hunt gets out, and once I finish, I'll I'll say it because I've got a working title, uh, Lucy Harker. As in, in yes, the Harkers, as in the Dracula Harkers.
2: Delightful.
1: I have a couple of short stories that are actually in the Jordan Abbey universe that I want to knock out. And those will be goodies if you subscribe to my newsletter. So please subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them. You can actually get the other two short stories that I mentioned earlier, Twisted Princess and Reading the Leaves, if you join that. Then after that, it will be starting book three of Jordan Abbey, Chaos Kin, unless something else comes up in the meantime. And of course, all these titles of upcoming works are potential titles right now. They may change given time and getting close and finding out, oops, somebody else beat me to that title. Shoot.
0: Naturally. (laughs) Naturally. Do you have a notebook full of things that it would be fun to write about if you ever get a chance?
1: Oh, I have a long, long note on my phone that it's like I'm adding to it almost daily of, hey, this is a story idea. Hey, research this. Hey, take a look at that.
0: (laughs) Fabulous. What advice would you give uh, somebody who's maybe written a little bit, but kind of hesitating? Oh, I don't know if I could be a writer or not. What would you say to that person?
1: My recommendation would be to find a group of people not necessarily your friends but other people and you can find them online don't know if critters.org is still viable but there are groups out there who will look at your stuff and give you an on give you honest feedback in return for you giving them honest feedback i have learned so much doing workshops at conventions and online betaing for other people who are writing at roughly my level. It's amazing how much you learn just looking at others' people work, and then you look at it and going, "Oh, wait a minute, I did the same thing that I was saying this person shouldn't do. I'm going to fix that, because all of a sudden you start seeing things with a more distant eye, and it's not as precious, and these are my perfect words that I, I afraid to even touch and hand off to anybody, you get a, oh, yeah, I should change that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I figured that's the core of it, isn't it? If somebody says, ah, I like this and I would publish your book, but you need to change this guy's name to Bob. Like, I can't understand anybody that would do the, no, no, it must remain Eustace. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> there's
1: There have been times where people have given me suggestions and I've said, no, and you have to learn of, okay, what guns do I want to stick to? What hill do I want to die on? Does I, no, it really doesn't matter if this person's name changes or wait a second, I've got five men with blue eyes. Maybe I should make one of them brown <laughs> uh, That's not related
0: to the plot. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. All right, well, we will put links to Cheryl's newsletter. And stories and the other things that we mentioned on our website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We love email. Thank you, Cheryl. This was fun.
1: Yes, and thank you very much again for hosting me. I really enjoyed this.
0: Oh, we look forward to it. And everybody, you're going to love Chaos Hunt on pre-order, but go out and read Chaos Wolf first. Also available on Amazon. We've been listening to Riders Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre Schweeney, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is Dave Welsh and John Schmidt. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with the Morning Person, both by Michael Lingberg. Our podcast sponsor is Eternally Jacker Designs and Arm Street over in Ukraine, Slava Ukraini, And hey, thanks for listening.